Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hello, I'm Ed. And, you know, this week we're going to, you know, still kind of roll on to the uh, 3D printing topic that we've been on. Um, You know, last week we kind of talked about, you know, some of the the software, I guess, you can talk about. But, you know, really this week we're going to, you know, kind of just, you know, open it up to, hey, you bought this new 3D printer. It came in a box. You put it together, kind of. If you follow the instructions, you still have some extra parts lying around. Um, You know, now... What do we do with the damn thing? You know, what is, what 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 is what is the what is the next step? You know, what what is what is step two? I've taken the I've taken the darn thing out of the box. I put it together. I have a couple leftover screws because if anybody's ever bought anything from IKEA, that's just how it works. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's you know IKEA better knows the divorce store. You can't put anything together without getting in an argument. Ed probably is over there agreeing with me because you know he's married. He understands. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you know now it's kind of you know what's the next step yeah the biggest thing that um i've thought about whenever you know wh- where did i start or where did i start and where i've come from um first off you're absolutely right there are way too many screws um they predicted that i'm gonna lose them and i pretty much did so don't be worried if you drop a couple honestly putting it together it's gonna be fine um but then we get into the next steps it's uh, enhancement, or it's hey, I need to think about um, wh- what is the reason I got this printer. Like, mm-hmm. wh- what's the whole point behind it? You didn't just buy a printer for two, three hundred dollars and put these things together. You didn't just go through with, you know, twenty minutes to however long it takes you to put together a printer um, just to let it sit there and gather dust, did you? Like, it's it's uh, your point, may, whether it be educational, whether it be operational, or you know. Um, you, you just want to show um, show a little bit of art or a model, or you're you know you're trying to do cosplay. You're trying to cosplay is big nowadays. Uh, well, you need to find your idea is pretty much what I'm getting behind. So first off, you need a clear cut. I need to print this item, and then from there it's okay. I need my I need my program, which is free on most sites. I need I need the program that'll make the computer understand what I want it to do which is the computer is the motherboard of the printer. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, from there, it's, I, need it to, I need it to understand the dimensions, right? So G-code, right? So then the G-code, how do I cut that? It comes from these softwares, which most of them come with, um, like, uh, let's say, recommended from the manufacturer website. It's open source, and you can download, hey, this is the one that we use. Uh, personally, I prefer Prusa Slicer. Um, just it gives me ability to add some certain G codes easier than than others. You can control specific temperatures at specific points, but we can get to that later. Um, but it helps with that process. And then you go into Cura and some of the others. Uh, Fusion 360 actually is a, a beautiful thing. Um, 
if if anybody's looked into it, it will give you the ability to create your idea if you have a bit of the modeling or, or 3D like CAD knowledge. Um, but it lets you go from end to end, build build the object, create the STL, load or convert it into G code, and then go off. So I guess that's the whole process that you're doing. But then you're implementing that process to whatever. So like if I have a process manufacturing wise, mm-hmm. I need I need to know what my my process or my mount like yeah, a din yeah. rail or something like that from a PLC. I yeah. need to know what I'm trying to do. What's the goal? And then from there, that that firmware is most of the time is proprietary and it's already on that device. Mm-hmm. But we can kind of get into that a little bit later. I can change any of that, those pictures and everything on that on that page. Um, but that's that could be a whole other <laughs> a yeah. whole other day or a whole other podcast there. So. Um, as far as that goes, I mean... Now, when yeah. you're talking about the slicer and stuff like that, you're talking about upgrades, you're talking about all that stuff. It's really, you know, you know, it's like, when you're talking about, you know, the whole manufacturing realm and stuff like that, you know, not buying someone letting it sit, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not, you know, going to be going out there and buying a $180,000 concrete printer print dog house. All right. Um, you know, not not really the, the, the number one thing that I think about, you know, a 3D printer nowadays. Now you can build small, tiny, the tiny houses out of them. So I guess it's more or less like a human dog house. Um, yeah, if you're trying to live yeah. in a tiny house. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you know, some married people, you know, think, yeah. dude, we need yeah. a place to stay when we get really get in trouble a lot. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know, so they they have their bonuses. Um, but you know, you start getting into the filament, yeah, and stuff like that. So would a you know a filament be considered the next step after you buy a three D printer? Would it be like filament design? Um, uh, you know, deciding what filament you're going to get based on its application. I know we've kind of already covered in an episode about filament, but, you know, we need to, you know, want to backtrack a little bit as we're talking about next steps and stuff like that. Are we getting into, like, filament um, choices and stuff like that? Is that yeah. usually a logical next step? So so I want to go back to what, what uh, John said. So when we're talking slicing, let's, yeah. let's break that down. Let's communicate that to someone that doesn't understand what slicing means. Okay. So everybody know what Fruit Ninja is, right? Yeah. yeah. So basically when we're talking slicing, I am taking an object. Say if I have an apple. I'm cutting that object into segments. And those segments are added together uh, with G-code, say for example. Mm-hmm. And then this G-code that we're using, we're taking the G-code and we're saying at some uh, temperature, some speed, some velocity. Yeah. Yeah. At, at some point. We're, we're making these things. And there are a lot of parameters that's involved with this. You know, type of material. The heat at which the material mm-hmm. has to become from a solid to a liquid. Uh, adhesion rate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're looking at what about uh, environmental things that can cause problems. Yeah. Uh, mechanical issues. So all these things is, are, are, are what you're talking about. So when we're talking filaments, we're not saying, hey, let's rehash the different type of filaments, we're saying right. how is that filament affected about affected by these properties or some property being set wrong. Right. Because okay. every yeah. STL file that you get from say Thingiverse yeah. has to be verified. And sometimes you are the verifier. Sometimes yeah. you get something from you know the internet yeah. and whoa, wait a minute. This STL file is not cor- corresponding to the, the G code. Right. And, and, and we'll go to John and let him explain a little bit more to that. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's actually, a, it's a good way to tie in both both what me and Nick were saying because, yeah, yeah, it's 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 heavily detailed. Like, your, your Ender, if, if you're choosing Ender to start out with, it's, it's a fantastic, you know, step in. Um, it's a good price point for a good size. But it starts out with one of those flexi magnetic, like it's it's not a great print bed. Um, for me, the natural progression was let me get a mag uh, let me get a glass bed, let me get a PEI uh, magnetic spring steel because what Nick was talking about, I also had the not only the print bed because that's a part that I'm heating, but the filament in 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 my head. So it's like okay, I need to understand how this behaves. You you just started. I have no idea that 220 is the temperature. Is it Fahrenheit? Is it Celsius, Kelvin? Like, I have no idea what this is even reading mm -hmm. to me. So, at that point, um, I did a you know, buckshot technique. I shot, I was like, okay, I'll try these three, four, right? Let's see what they do. Um, so, getting into the slicing, um, so you, you've, let's say you've decided on your slicer. Um, I'm just gonna stick with, with Prusa slicer, uh, maybe Cura, because I've done that a little bit, but I'm just more comfortable with, with Prusa. I, I don't want to speak on the others without actually getting my hands into the program. Mm -hmm. uh, but with, with Prusa, I can actually um, create a, uh, we call it a, a smart tower or a temperature tower. Um, and that's where we have, and this is also pulled off a repository. We can get into that in a second. You brought up Thingiverse. That's wonderful. It's got one of the biggest, you know, libraries of, of STL files to use from. And, you know, those STL files don't have to just be for a printer. They could be for an engraver. They could be for a CNC machine. They could be for you to make an engraver or make a CNC machine. Right. So, like, it's Excellent. got blueprints. Like, Excellent. it's, yeah, there's, like, no limit there. So, like, honestly, if you haven't looked at it, you should probably go check it out. Um, but, but it goes into, I can take this small block that shows me my overhang, that runs all my tests. Like, so overhang, it does uh, like a needle point. It does like a bridge where from one point to one, how, how much can I maintain that integrity before it falls? Um, and you can take that print and you can slice it at, I want to start at 260 degrees Celsius, which Celsius is standard. I mean, mm. it's metric. Most of the stuff's coming from you know, overseas. Not everything is here. I mean, we'd like it to be, but it is yeah. what it is. Uh, but that you, you set that and you can actually pick you set that temperature to 260 then you can copy paste control V control uh, control C control V you can move that up to above that other bed that other model and stick it to it kind of like a you know an Oreo and you just keep that Oreo going and you can change that temperature and say 260 or sorry 255 and then you put it again 250 and then you put it again to 245 um, you can do smaller increments but five is Generally, with temperature, if you don't have it enclosed, it's going to be about the same. You're not going to notice a difference. But you do that temperature tower. Honestly, I suggest the temperature tower is the second thing that you print after you level your bed with the le like a first layer. So should mm -hmm. it be linear or logarithmic? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, honestly, uh, I was going to get into that too uh, because there's fill patterns as well that you think about. So fill patterns, like if I'm doing, let's just go down to... The, the first bed. How does that create, like, let's just say it's a 2D plane. I just want to cover this square. And I want that square to be uniform. It's not, not easy, but it's your basic print. So what you do is you start that print and it goes from side to side to side to side to side to side. So you start to think about how you color something in, right? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what's happening. 
You're coloring that in. In fact, coloring with plastic. I found something the other day. You, you can, you can 3D print with like a little pen where you, it's just like an FDM printer. You feeding in the filament from the back of the pen, and it's correcting any defects from your finished print. I've, I've seen that. People so, are doing sculptures with those. Things. Which yeah. that's and impressive. kids are using them too to, to yeah. learn that at the, uh, with 3D printing. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, but that kind of takes out the G code part of it, and that kind of just. It's yeah. your, your manual effect. Yeah, freehand. Yeah, that's great, actually. Free draw. Um, but when you get down to that, that uh, like you uh, drawing in that G-code or, or visualizing that G-code, it's exactly like you coloring in um, a square yourself. And then you can actually change that pattern to where maybe I want, let's say we cut it in the quadrants. Maybe I want top quadrant A to, to be marked first, mm -hmm. and then it goes to C. So uh, like the other corner, opposite corner, so that I can adjust this and make sure it's level. Um, and then it goes into Archimedean curls and 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 things like or circles. Yeah. I think it actually is. Yeah. So, but but that's I mean I could talk about this pretty much. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you know when you start thinking about that, you start thinking about you know strength properties. Oh yeah. You know each different filament and inlay and stuff like that. You know I've I've used Cura before. You know stuff like that, but not to a you know a deep extent. But, um, you know, you thought, started talking about, you know, which filament is the strongest. Well, not really filament, but the inlay is the strongest oh, because yeah. your strength is not coming from the filament itself. It's coming from the inlay that you put into it. You know, you can go from 0% inlay, something hollow, something that you're not really going to use. Like a vase, actually. Right. You know, the vases and stuff like that all the way up to, you know, 100% filament. You know, infill would not recommend that because it's going to take forever to print. Um, <laughs> yeah. However, it's still something that's out there. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, you know, right now, if you want something solid, it's going to be at about a 25 to 50% infill. Now, which, you know, really makes you kind of, you know, kind of laugh is that when you get to the point where you start dealing with like the concrete 3D printers that you're dealing with now for like small houses and stuff like that in big communities that they're using in the military to build their uh, barracks. Mm -hmm. You have technically when it prints the walls on both sides of the walls, that's a zero percent infill, you know. Hundred percent, yeah. But the thing is, the walls themselves are the structural integrity because it's concrete. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not dealing with plastic. You know, if you did a zero infill, you know, piece, it's going to collapse. It's going to collapse on top of itself for certain things, unless it is a, a vase print. It's a vase print, totally different freaking atmosphere. You know, you start dealing with, you know, different geometric shapes and stuff like that. But that's when you start getting into the slicers and stuff like that. And you start setting that infill how you want it to mm -hmm. your strength design and stuff like that. And you start dealing with, you start moving off of, um, for example, you have the, the, the free CAD software online. Where you can download that and load it right into Cura, right into Prusa Slicer. And take that STL model that you just built that has no G-code behind it. Throw it, into, throw it into that and generate the G-code immediately. And then send it to a printer for that printer to execute. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's things out there where you can modify your G code so it automatically auto prints the next one. It's just copy paste, copy paste, and it will spit out, you know, prints all day long by modifying the G code inside the slicer. Yeah. So, how's that affected by if I'm using triangles, cubic, or uh, gyroids? Ah, so as it, it's actually a good question because getting into like. Um, I brought it up earlier, Archimedean curls or circles. I can't remember if it's either, um, but I think they call it curl. Yeah, I think it is curls, but uh, I could be wrong. But it is it is what it is. Regardless of what it's called, it goes in a yeah. circle to infill your 
whatever. Right. So I think that right. is Archimedes. Archimedean chords. chords. That's what yeah. it is. Chords. That no. That's you're right. Yeah, it's chords. Uh, so what it's doing? I mean, it's doing a circle though. The path is a circle. Right. Um, so what 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 I recommend on those is, um, let's say I have a baron. Which, by the way, um, I've been printing some things that have been articulating. So why can't I print a baron um, that articulates as well? Which got a couple successful, a couple fused together, but. It was a it was a try, uh, but you can print these things like a, like a bearing, and it can go circular, and it'll fill those things in in such a manner that it speeds up their print. Um, and we actually um, something that I can't, I really can't even get it out of my head is efficiency that I've been thinking about, it, and it's if I do an Archimedean chord, and I fill in let's just say a solid cylinder, let's not even say it's one hundred percent, it's going to create shells inside of itself. Mm -hmm. It's not going to mix those shells, right? right? But if you do, let's say, a gyroid, you know, or a grid, or a star, a hexagon, whatever your imagination wants, like there are options for those. You can choose those, and it's going to make or break your print time. So let me ask you a question, <clears throat> just to keep keep your train mm -hmm. of thought. Just yeah. just the question for for both of you guys. Mm -hmm. So is it better to print individually? And put those pieces together because barons are individual. Right. It depends on what type of baron. You know, if I'm using roll uh, yeah. ball bearings, or if I'm using, um, I can either use spears or I can use cylinders. Mm -hmm. And it's different different properties that right. axial thrust and things like that. Right, right. But the question is the, to continue the question. What's the benefit of printing one solid piece? that has everything and I do it at one time, efficiency, I'm assuming, yeah. and printing those things individually and putting them together. Yeah, and, you know, fluidity of motion, you know, if you I think about it. Say, yeah, I'll let you start because you like, know, I, I, you start, you start dealing with, you know, fluidity of motion and stuff like that. It's, you know, if you're going to, if you can print all at one, one piece is always also going to be stronger than two, no matter how you look at it, because you're dealing with joints and stuff like that, shear factors. You start getting into a, you know, the, the, the higher level shear factor at that point. You know, if you think about it, if we start talking about, you know, especially if you're printing in different pieces, you know, if a single piece, if you think about it, when we go back to the slicer standpoint, you start looking at your infill, that infill, that, that means that that infill is continuous. A, um, you know, in a continuous motion, your crush factor is less, or it's actually higher, sorry. Now, when you start dealing with two separate entities, you don't know where that picked up and where that left off. So now you have a, a, you know, and also at that joint, you have a shear force, especially depending on how that's, how it's inlaid is either left or right lateral shear force. You know, you don't really have an up and down, you know, unless it's a pinpoint, you know, but your crush factor is, yeah. is, 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 you know, completely detrimental at that point. If you start thinking about it, you start talking about like a, a you know, a can, mm -hmm. you know, you have like the infill is, you know, the liquid inside of it with the top on it. However, once you open that top, now you have crush force. You know, and that's the thing. So that that top is technically it's a single piece print. However, you open that top, and now you have a now you have a two piece print. Yeah. You know, so now you have that crush force. That's an excellent, uh, you know, analogy. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I've been, this whole time he's been talking. I'm trying to think of one for my. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so no, I actually got a I got a good analogy too because I like fundamentally I agree with Nick. Um, there is a, there is some certain aspects that change when you you know say print them separately versus print them together. Um, I will tell you from experience, if it is a lot of items, I suggest you do one at a time. 
Or yeah. batch. Or batch. Or batch. Not a full max print bed, just because you can. It's a terrible idea. I lost all the filament. So let's just... <laughs> at any point, if one fails, it just kind of drags and removes everything else. And then you've got a big spaghetti monster. It's not, not what you want. <laughs> so I, I suggest smaller batches if you do batches. Just, mm -hmm. That's just not even thinking articulating pieces. That's just in general. Right. But when I think about... Um, he, he just got me thinking about sheer force and, and you know, um, the, the point of printing one piece versus the other. And, and I do agree. Um, printing one will be fundamentally stronger than you print the others and put them together because by printing others and putting them together, you've created fail points. That I'm not saying that they will fail, but you can fail at that point. But if I print it as one piece, let me, I'm just going to take a small example like a toothpick. So you think of a toothpick, when you break the toothpick, you're, you're grabbing it at the middle and you're breaking it down even sides, right? Mm -hmm. When you're looking at that though, you're breaking that down in one plane, like straight down the middle. So if I hold the toothpick upright, I'm breaking it straight down the middle. Mm -hmm. How hard is it for you to break it from tip to tip and slice that? It's gonna be a lot harder because, it's of, a lot harder. because of the construction of the form. Exactly, yeah. and that's, that's, that's the point I'm getting to with it. It's, it's just a lot harder because of um, your, your layer orientation, mm -hmm. um, as well as um, how many points of failure you've introduced into that. Now, realistically, you, you have every la layer connecting or touching another layer is a point of failure, mm -hmm. if, if I take it into that sense. But um, here's a little tip that if anybody is already 3D printing, you might want to do. It's going to mess with some of your dimensions. Take a heat gun, hit it real quick after everything's kind of dried up. Those layers are going to stick together a bit better. It's gonna it's gonna melt a little, get soft a little bit, and then re reconnect to each other. So that's just a just an idea. So so what do you what do you say to the guy that said, "Hey, bearings are made in pieces." Just hear me out. Okay. Because I I understand the limitations of uh, hobbyist printers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he says, "You know what? And I only have this size, and I want to print it larger than this size. Why can't I just print?" some of it and make the print to where I can connect the other part. So like Lego, why yeah. can't I make Lego? Well, Lego why can't, I, why not, why yeah. can't I construct this thing in parts? And we're not talking about bearings or something like that. Maybe we're mm -hmm. just talking something as simple as, hey, uh, brick walls made a set like in right, right. pieces. Yeah. 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 Now here's the curve ball. It's always a curve ball. Yeah. <laughs> so what about triangles? Yeah. Are triangles stronger? Are triangles easier? What if I don't want supports? What if I don't mm. need supports? What about at the end of the print? I want a smooth. Yeah. I want a smooth uh, well, edge at well, the end of the we print. We start dealing with, with, with uh, supports. You're in a whole different bag animals. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And, uh, so, and, and and let me. What about the sausages are inside of? Say, if I'm printing a frog. Okay. There's a structure inside the frog. Also, I can have supports outside or inside. Well, see, no, no, you're absolutely right because. When Nick was talking about um, the like building a, a house and your your walls that you're building are 100% infill, absolutely right. But then the inside of the house isn't 100% infill because you got to live there. So like it's there, there's multiple things you have to think of too. Yeah, I mean I, I agree. Um, <laughs> it's something that I haven't even thought about that much. Is you set those you set those outer lines. I set those outer shells, but because I mean I'm pretty sure they're called shells in there as well. So you set your perimeters. And you set, hey, I need four, five, six, seven outer shells. 
right now there's no way for you to say I need them to be in the form of a triangle though like I need it to to, to, to reinforce itself mm. there's it's just laid lines cleaning up and in a straight straight like so maybe the motion is triangular but the actual material itself mm. has no relationship to ge geometry yeah, in right. the sense of I'm doing I'm printing mm. triangles squares or circles now the, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get on this real quick you know, I know we're, you know, getting, you know, down to time here. Um, but um, if you think about it, you know, there was an article out there the other day that somebody has 3D printed a bridge. Mm -hmm. We talked about, you know, an overspanned bridge is going across a body of water. You know, somebody has printed that. If you think about it, the, the, the slicer medium that they had to put that in <laughs> to figure out what the G-code was <laughs> to print the darn thing, you know, is astronomical. Yeah. You know, and the, the thing is, is that kind of goes into the fact that, you know, people are, you know, need to understand that, you know, there's very, if you know your dimensions, there's very little limitations that these, this software has. It's going to spit it out. The only limitation that you have at that point is the software, the hardware that is, that the slicer is running mm -hmm. on that can compute the, tri the, the, the angles that you need. You know, and, and the thing is, is you know, I, I'll tell you this: if, if you're three D printing a bridge, I hate to be the freaking the uh, structural designer that had to figure out the shear force of that darn thing, um, because yeah. that alone would be mind-boggling trying to figure out what the weight is, you know, at the center point of gravity, knowing that okay, if a thousand people step here, will it give? You know, you're dealing with a three D printer going over water. Not, not even to mention the environmental, right? The yeah. actual, right? Uh, the That's uh, temperature difference. Yeah. Think about your cure time. You know, your, your cure time is absolutely, you know, ridiculous. If you're printing the supports also underneath it, you know, I mean, it's, it's one, it's one thing, you know, it's like, that's what, where the world of 3D printers are going to, you know, you got the, the different levels, you know, you're doing, um, uh, you know, it's like the, I hate to keep bringing up the house thing, but the house thing I think is, you know, the big, the, the next, changing. the next biggest yeah. thing on the market right now, mm -hmm. because you're using a slicer to develop, you know, a house that you would usually do in CAD take that convert it to a g code of some sort right you know that's used by that I, I don't know what they use on those on those printers but it's probably this it's probably just a really it's modified probably, version of cura it's probably you know and it's, it's it's like you know what are we using oh, it's a thousand square foot freaking house i'm building it in cura good yeah. luck you know and it spits it out in concrete you know and there you go guess which now you got a house you know, um, for a quarter of the price that you're going to pay for it, where else, depending on concrete, is cheaper or not? Even so in just labor, not even thinking materials, like right, exactly, cut costs. Right. But think about this: uh, you, you said slicing, so is CAD the reverse of slicing? Yeah, I think so. Are we building in the reverse? We're, we're deconstructing. The, the slicing is deconstructing. Right. CAD is constructing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's polygons. Right. E everything is polygons. We were talking triangles and blah blah blah. Everything it all really boils down to yeah. polygons. Everything, everything's a coordinate. Yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of things, everything's a coordinate. Technically, if you think about it, and this is probably going to send Ed into a, a, a tailspin of thoughts here, <laughs> is why can't I 3D print via GPS? Why can't you? Well, <laughs> well I've got, I've got other things. It's, 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 it's not GPS. Because GPS is not the thing that's... The GPS is saying, yeah. I'm here to this point. GPS yeah. is... Hey, it's a string. Think right. of GPS as a string. Right, exactly. Satellite came over and the string attached from the satellite but, to that But point. why can't I use GPS cords as my uh, G-code? You, you can, but you have to, you, we have to explain, a bit more we have to explain what we're talking about when we say we're using GPS as the 
um, it's the point, but GPS is not the thing that's yeah. doing the work. It's not the polygon. Right. The polygon is the satellite that's using GPS and constructing that into some algorithm yeah. and turning that into, into a, a polygon. So basically, I'm taking all the points that I hit with the GPS. So, yeah, you know, and I don't know if you want to. Well, I mean, first off, why can't we with the GPS? I think with the GPS is, is your locating system. I mean, G code isn't anything but, you know, where's my nozzle's location at this? Wh where does it go after this other point? It just goes in this line. Okay, well, let me follow that line. And if I could get the, I think the biggest thing would be um, exactness to the satellite because if you're thinking small scale, which simplicity scales so you should probably try to make it on a prototype or a rapid prototyping yeah. level first but i mean why not you're not going to attend digit grid on the, the, the on possibilities that, are just endless i just think that like it's it's really when we start combining technologies that's where you start really seeing the innovation and that's where you really start seeing like oh you mean to tell me i can do a light switch for this sensor over here that whenever I get my, you know, my reading from MQTT, it tells me, hey, temperature too hot, turns off the light, keeps it going. Yeah. Like, oh, temperature too low, turn it back on. And, you know, the thing is that goes back to, like, the slicers and stuff like that where they're all backwards compatible with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody realizes that, you know, 3D printing and stuff like that, 3D modeling is going to be the way of the future. And that's, you know, kind of where we're going with this. And, you know, and I, and I, I think that, you know, we're just on for the long haul here. You know, and hopefully, you know, with that, you know, hopefully we can, you know, at least be of uh, some sort of assistance with that. If there's anything that you need, you know, go ahead and ask us questions about it. And so, you know, I'm going to turn it over to, you know, Ed and John for our, our, our final, you know, parting shots. And, uh, you know, hope you all have a, you know, a good, you know, day, evening or, you know, whatever time it is. But, you know, and we do want to thank every, every single person who's, you know, listening to us from across the globe. You know, we, we definitely highly appreciate that. And, you know, y'all are part of the, the, the Vulcan Aura family at this point you know, mm -hmm. for listening in. So, you know, I'll turn it over to Ed for our parting shots. So you, you shook the cage so you'll get the monsters. <laughs> so the monster says you're thinking in three dimensions. Maybe I'm thinking in ten dimensions. And if I'm thinking in ten dimensions, then I can do whatever I want to do with 3D printing. And when I say dimensions, I'm not talking about alternate, alternate realms or things like that. I'm talking about in relationship to a X, Y, and Z. What if it's an X, Y, and Z, and each of those X, Y, and Z has another frame a point of frame yeah. so for me that's that's what i would say where 3d printing would be exciting if we could if we could uh get past the three points or three dimensions and uh, we'll let john uh close us out today um yeah i mean that's that's a good point with the with the dimensions because you think about robot arms are moving in separate dimensions you change that origin and six degrees of freedom going. um but yeah so so um First thing I wanted to say is, is if you're still listening, <laughs> then you, you might have a bit of a problem. You should go check out Thingiverse <laughs> and find something that's interesting to you. Um, honestly, if, if you're trying to get a picture of what this whole 3D printing thing is, you probably have seen it somewhere. But if you can find something that you like, whether it be a Millennium Falcon, whether it be uh, like me, I have a Google, Google Home Mini. I got an R2-D2 now in my house. Like, Whatever interests you, it doesn't have to make sense to anyone but you. Go find something. Go find something that you want to make and, and start from there, and then it'll keep going, I promise. Um, and thanks again to everybody, guys. This is nice, 
nice to have a platform to push the 3D printing. So. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.